And I think the next thing that we've got is Derek Lamb. He's going to come and preach to us this morning um, on our short summer series um, on Devoted. Um, so really looking forward to that. Um, so over to you. Brilliant. I have really enjoyed this morning. I don't know about you guys. It's been wonderful, yes? Yeah. You can definitely feel God's presence with us. And um, uh, we've been away for the last couple of weeks. So to come back to worship with you all, it just feels like coming home. And I'm sure many of us will start to feel this more as we come back from our summer breaks. There's something special about church, isn't there? And uh, it's great to see all of your faces in front of me. So I'm looking forward to this morning. Um, I thought I'd just open with some prayer, if that's okay. Um, and then we'll, we'll dive into, into God's word. Lord, this morning is all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. And the reason we gather, Father, is because of your salvation. Father, one body uh, under you, Lord, and the... Uh, Father, I just pray that this morning as we dive into your word, that you will open our hearts, open our ears, uh, open our eyes, Father, so that we can just see a little bit more of you, a little more of a glimpse of your glory this morning, Jesus. Uh, Father, we just pray that your word will be like a double-edged sword. We're praying this this morning, that it will divide bone from marrow and that it will penetrate our hearts this morning. We thank you for this, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Well, uh, yeah, Rachel's kindly said, we're going to carry on our series on spiritual Christian disciplines this morning, and um, I've got the privilege of talking about communion today, and my hope for this morning really is that we'll be able to look at communion in a little bit more of a different light uh, today, one that kind of helps us see the spiritual significance of communion uh, but one that also will encourage us and maybe just bring a little bit of a challenge uh, to us today. Uh, so to help us unpack the subject, we're going to be reading uh, 1 Corinthians 10, uh, verses 14 to 22. So if you've, if you've got a Bible or tablet, I'm sure we'll also be on the screen in a minute, uh, we're going to be reading uh, that together. And um, I thought I'd start us off with a subject of food. Uh, now, if you're a South African like I am, uh, I love food. <laughs> uh, barbecues, sorry, brides in particular are one of my favourites, especially over the summer period. And um, uh, last 18 months, I think we've, I don't know how many barbecues we've had, but uh, I can't even count also how many takeaways we've had. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you can see that it's, it's, it's not done, done me any justice at, at all. And, um, but Recently, we've also been allowed to obviously go to restaurants. And so I've really enjoyed going to restaurants with friends and family and sitting down at a table, eating some food together, sharing in fellowship. It's, it's a highlight that maybe I would have taken for granted 18 months ago. Now I find is more important than ever before. And you know, culturally, in biblical times, eating together at a table was also an extremely important event. And it's one of those things that when you sit down at a table with your friends and your family, it's going to bring as many different cultures and backgrounds and ages together in one setting where you can't get that anywhere else. It's something incredible. So there is a link here, and you're probably saying to me, okay, maybe thinking communion, food, there's a bit of a link. And in a minute, well, in a minute, 
about 10, 20 minutes, we're going to have communion together. And it's not going to be a meal, unfortunately. There's no barbecue next door or anything like that. It's going to be a wafer and some, some grape juice. But that doesn't take the significance away from what we're going to be doing. Um, and so I've got one question for us to think about. Make a bit of a mental note, if, 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 if you will. The question is this. Are you seated at the table of Jesus or is there a sense that you're also seated at the table of the world at the same time? So I'll just say that again. Are you seated at the table of Jesus? Or is there a sense in which you are trying to partake in the table of the world at the same time? So let's read 1 Corinthians 10, 14 to 22. You'll probably realize this is not your traditional communal text. <laughs> But we're going to read it together and some interesting stuff to unpack from it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to a sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread... We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Consider the people of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar? What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to participate with demons. You cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Amen. One of the helpful ways to unpack a passage like this, because it is an interesting one, it's jam-packed, is to look at two, or one of the ways I particularly like to read the Bible, is to consider two things. One, the cultural background, what was going on at the point that this particular uh, passage was written, the context. And the other one is to try and pick up some key phrases that will help us to understand what Paul, who wrote this letter, is trying to say. Um, bit of a, a plug here as well for, for Dan Haight. I don't know where he's gone, he's, he's next door. He's got a, oh there he is at the back. Uh, Dan's got a Bible reading course which starts this week, runs for, for uh, two nights. Is that right, Dan? Two nights. And um, I would highly recommend it. If, you wanna, if you're a new Christian, maybe you're a Christian who's been a Christian for 20 years, you want to know how to read the Bible uh, better with some more key tips and tricks and things like that, go to that course. Highly recommend it. It'd be great. So culturally, what is happening in this text? So 1 Corinthians, Paul is tackling some really interesting key issues that have cropped up in the church in in Corinth that we've just read about. Now, this is over a four to five year period, and basically what the church has started to do is they've started to be relatively quite simple, okay? They've actually started to take take on some of the cultural stuff around them, from the pagans around them, from the non-believers, starting to engage with some of the pagan practices and at this point, it's kind of hard to distinguish someone who's a, a Christian in the church in Corinth to someone who's a pagan and non-believer, which is kind of a shocking thing to consider. Um, 
I remember my very first football match. Oh, stick with me, there, there's a link here. My very first football match I was invited to by Toby Baffer and a couple of the other guys. And uh, it was a Tottenham Hotspur game at White Hart Lane. Right? So we all jumped in the car and we went off to Tottenham and they were playing one of the European club uh, uh, teams. We arrived, we walked down the street, got into the stadium, found our seats. We ate the pie, which was lovely, had a drink. And um, all the while, um, I'm actually an Arsenal supporter. So this is probably considered as sinful as you can get in football. Um, two rival teams and uh, an Arsenal supporter who's now eating your pies, who's also celebrating when the European team get close to scoring a goal against Tottenham. Um, very interesting when you're kind of sitting in your seat and that almost happens and you're on the Tottenham side and you've got to stop yourself from getting up and cheering because you could find yourself in hot water. All of that time I was there, I felt like I was betraying my team Arsenal. Um, have I been to a football game since? No. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure in time I will. And, um, but I think the context of what Paul is trying to say here in this particular passage that we've just read is he's trying to address one particular issue in the church. And that is there are members of the church who are basically going and having a pagan meal in a pagan temple. Uh, a meal that was really for idols. Okay. And Paul uses the idea of communion because what was happening is they'd have a, a pagan meal in a temple and then end of the week they'd go and have communion. And that was, Paul was saying like, you can't have these two things together. You can't hold them in your hands. They, they, don't, they don't match together. And he describes it as drinking from two cups, okay? Or being seated at two tables. So hopefully that kind of gets you a little bit of an idea of what's happening in that text because it is quite a lot. Um, to read through and, and, and kind of understand one go. But we're going to dive just that little bit deeper now, all right? So, one of the helpful ways is to look at some key phrases in the text, all right? So we're going to get the slide back up, and uh, there will be some key phrases highlighted for us there in green. And uh, let's just read this again together. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to a sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation, first key phrase, in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are one body, for we all partake, another repetitive word there, of the one bread. So let's stop for a minute. Hopefully by now you're starting to see a bit of a theme. Okay, Paul there's something significant about this word participation that's happening with communion that Paul's trying to draw us into um, before he goes on to talk about the, the act of idolatry and this pagan meal eating. So when we think about communion, if I was to ask a few of you what you would say uh, communion was about, I reckon most of us would probably come up with a couple of different answers. One would be breaking of bread, drinking of wine, uh, the other one might be it's an act of remembering Christ. Uh, it could be that it's a moment to give thanks and celebrate everything that Jesus did on the cross. All of that is right. Okay? Jesus himself says, do this in remembrance of me. So when we take communion, he says, do this in remembrance of me. 
But Paul is highlighting something a little bit more here for us to help us take this to a little bit more of a deeper level. So there are two reasons that you can pick up. So linking back to our words that we've just seen, the key phrases, participation, partake, participants. The word for that in Greek is actually fellowship. Okay? And fellowship is about connecting. It's about sharing with one another. Uh, One of the ways I think of fellowship is inviting someone into your home, sitting down at a table and having a meal. It's something, something that happens there when you fellowship with somebody that is quite important. And even actually, if you think about it, God designed us for fellowship. From the moment of creation, he designed us to have relationship with fellowship, not only with those around us, but with him himself. There's something spiritual at work when we take communion together. It's about fellowshipping with Jesus. Like this is not just a a sort of religious activity that we do and it's a tick box on a Sunday. There's something very, very deeply spiritual about it. It's a chance to fellowship with Jesus. That alone should just get us excited. And there will be a moment in time where we get to sit down with Jesus at the table and share it together in person. Doesn't that excite you? It does me. I, I can't wait for that moment. But actually, we get to do that today too. The other idea that Paul picks up on here is uh, what I would call togetherness. The idea of there being one bread. Okay? And that bread is referencing Jesus. I love how we've been talking about this morning about God refreshing us and filling us new. Because Christ is the bread of life. John 6.35, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. There's something about Christ that just refreshes our soul. The wonderful thing with communion and the togetherness idea is that we do it not just as individuals, but as one body, one family under God. There's something important about that. That's why we stress this so much in church. Don't just do communion on your own. You do it together fellowship of believers coming together to one table sharing in bread and wine and giving it all to our God and declaring our worship for him we don't have a big feast today we're going to have a picnic later but that doesn't retract from the significance of what we're going to be doing in a few moments we're going to declare God's goodness and his victory for us and his church as one family this morning so What about the rest of the text? Okay, this is the little challenge for us this morning. Um, So let's read on, and uh, we'll go on to the next slide. So consider the people of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar? What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake, you cannot fellowship of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Now, hopefully your mental note-taking is good. (laughs) Let's go to our question from earlier on at the start. 
Are you and I seated at the table with Jesus or are we trying to partake in the table of the world at the same time? Don't know about you, but I sometimes find myself at the wrong table. And I don't think it's out of direct defiance to God. I think 99% of the time, um, there's something that has subtly drawn me onto that table. And I don't even know it's necessarily happened. It's easily done. Something that seeps in, um, grabs my heart, and kind of ends up turning me away from from God. And I'm seated at another table. Um, And I was trying to think of examples of this because it's always harder to think of the subtle ones. It's easy to think of the stuff that, uh, you know, when you look at the Ten Commandments, don't murder, or I haven't murdered. But when you try and think about subtle stuff, that's always a little bit harder. Um, And I had to, my dearest wife, (laughs) she was the one one that picked it up um, very quickly. And my subtle idol, my subtle god, is a mobile phone. Let me get in my pocket. It's one of these, okay? And... I got kind of shocked with some statistics um, a while ago, and I'm, I'm just going to give them to you to kind of have a bit of a think about this. Um, on average, a person will unlock their phone up to 80 times a day, all right? And they will spend roughly three hours plus on the screen of a phone every day. Now, this isn't to kind of scare you. Phones are there to be used as a tool. Goodness me, the church uses them all the time, okay? Um, I do all my banking on it, all right? There's stuff that I find easier to do on a phone. Go for it. But there is something about that tool that can suddenly be turned to become a god. The first thing you wake up in the morning, is it your Bible you pick up or is it your phone? Okay? If you had to work out three hours a day, 365 days a year, that's 45 days of the year spent on a mobile phone, on average, okay? We've got to be careful that there are things that are subtle can gain a grip of our hearts and draw us away from God. The reality is, like even for the, 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 the Corinthian church that we've just been reading about, when we read a little bit earlier in chapter 8, they, they know that actually... You know, there is no such things as other gods. They're aware of that. That eating this meal is not really necessarily a big deal. Yet Paul has to draw their attention to the fact that, yes, there are no other gods, but this act is a fellowship with demons. It's a form of idolatry. It's a form of worship to something else. And that's the key bit here. It's about worship. Paul's warning to the church in Corinth is that taking communion and then being involved in idolatry is like partaking the table of the Lord and the table of of the enemy. So much so that it brings God to jealousy. God wants all of us. He wants all of our worship. He doesn't want the, 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 the little bits. He wants to be the first and foremost in our life. What is it that we are knowingly or unknowingly fellowshipping with that is leading us to sit at these two different tables? I'm uh, going to ask the band to come up, if that's okay. And uh, in a minute, we're going we're gonna to take some communion together. Um, if you're online, it would be really great if you could join in with us too, as one church, as one body, one family under God. And um, 
And as the band gets ready, and I'm going to ask them to stop playing in a minute, um, I think it's a good opportunity for us to consider what Paul is trying to say in this text. And uh, as I was preparing my notes this week, um, I really felt the, the Holy Spirit bring to word the, the words break free and freedom. And uh, it's kind of ironic that, well, it's not ironic, this is how God works, that we've been singing about freedom this morning. We've been singing about his, his, his mercies and breaking free. And I, I do think that this morning, there are some of us, whether you're online or, or in the flat and, uh, with us, that there are going to be things that have been hindering our walk with Jesus. And, um, and I'm sure the Holy Spirit might have already been highlighting that to you. I know he has to me as I was preparing. My phone was one to list many. <laughs> um, but in a moment, we're actually going to celebrate communion. We're going to take communion. And it does say for us to examine our hearts before we do that. It's an important process. Because when we take communion, not only do we, are we remembering Jesus, we're celebrating him, we're also receiving the blessing of God. Paul talks about the cup, the cup of blessing. It is the blessing of salvation and the freedom that we, we get when we worship God and we know him. So, Let's take a couple of minutes, uh, band, if you just want to kick us off with some, some music, and um, feel free to do this however you want to do that. This is a moment to come before God. Uh, when we were praying earlier and, and, and also in worship, I had the, the image of drawing a line in the sand. This is the line in the sand moment, um, whether it's addiction, as, as Phil was sharing, there's some significant things that I feel God wants to do this morning. And um, it's a moment to take a step over that line and walk into freedom, freedom with Christ. And if that's the first time you're doing that this morning, then please come and talk to us. We want to we help you understand what that means. What does it mean to walk into that freedom with Jesus? For others, it might be that this is not your first time, but you're just going to be giving yourself back to God in this moment and saying, actually, these things that I've been carrying with me, that have been holding me, shackling me down, chaining me down, these are things that, Lord, I trust you're going to break free this morning. It might be that you're actually just going to sit there and soak in God's presence. Let's do that together. Spend a few moments doing this. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that there is no condemnation, Father. Father, that we come to you this morning, Jesus. Our hearts opened to you. Father, this is a moment to, to recognize that your grace is sufficient for us. Father, I just pray that you will just fill us with the the aroma of your goodness, Father, and your mercies, Father, and that you will help us to fix our gaze on you this morning as we share in communion, Father, in remembrance of you, Jesus, that we will be fellowshipping with you at your table today, Lord.
as one body, one family under God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to hand over to Dan, who's going to lead us in that. practically first of all if you're in the room um, just want to make sure that everyone who wants to take communion has a has a cup there, would someone be happy if there's someone who doesn't have one just to pass the basket around we're gonna obviously if you're at home hopefully you've been able to take this time to grab some bread and grab some wine or grab some juice we're gonna take communion as we've done a few times before all together at kind of at the same time there's lo- lots of different ways that we can choose to celebrate communion but I think what Derek was talking about, about being, because we take of one bread, we are one body, to do this all together would be, uh, would be wonderful. And so if you're, a, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've uh, committed your life to Jesus, this is a meal that you can participate in. So why don't we open the, uh, for those of us who are here and have it in this particular format, let's take the wafer. Let's remember this is Jesus' body broken for us. As we take it, let's remember his body broken. Let's uh, turn our attention to uh, the wine or the juice. Jesus speaks of his blood as the blood of the new covenant. And Paul in this passage talks about this as the cup of blessing. It's a sober moment, but it's also a joyful moment. This is a cup of blessing. We partake in the blood of Christ. We remember his death for us. Let's take this together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that as we have taken this meal together and your spirit is here amongst us, in some mysterious way that we can't understand or try and explain, we have fellowshiped with you and are fellowshipping with you through this meal. What a privilege. What a privilege. Jesus, I pray that there'd be a fresh sense of amazement this morning that we get to, we get to fellowship with Jesus through this meal. And... Uh, Father, I pray that as we continue now, as we worship you in song, having just worshipped you by taking this meal, I pray, Father, that we would honour Jesus and that he would be our ultimate delight and that we would put you first in everything, Lord God, knowing that doing that is for our greatest good and our greatest joy. We love you, Jesus. And as we sing now, I pray that you would be amongst us by your spirit.